I'm Ray, a John Maxwell Certified Leadership Coach. Welcome to Life, Love, and Leadership, where we discuss everything pertaining to life, love, and leadership. Let's get started. Welcome to Life, Love, and Leadership by The Real Leadership Company. I'm Tom Ray, and joining with me on the line is a very special guest, Gina Tremarco. Gina, can you say hi? Hey, <laughs> good job on my name, by the way. Thank you. I worked very hard on that. <laughs> I know you did. <laughs> so we like to kick off every show with an attitude of gratitude. And today I'm thankful for my daughter, my daughter Ashton. Uh, she brings joy to my life. And a little fun fact, I had the honor of delivering her when she Aww. came into the world. And uh, it just it just blew my mind the miracle that was taking place right before my eyes and and uh, so I've got her wrapped, I mean she's got me wrapped right around her finger and uh, uh, she's just a joy to my life she's 22 years old now um, and just uh, she has a business called um, Wonderland Parties where she dresses up as a as a princess and goes and does all these parties for Love it. little girls oh and, and stuff, gosh. a Cinderella or something similar to that. You get to and, be Cinderella uh, and a princess every day. What That's a brilliant job. Yes. And right now she happens to be uh, acting in a stage production, preparing for that, for, uh, Beauty and the Beast. And she's playing one of the silly girls in that. So she loves to act and, and make people smile with her talents and her gifts. So that's my attitude of gratitude. I'm thankful for my daughter, Ashton. And uh, Gina, what are you thankful for today? I am, you know, it's, I love this question because I journal gratitudes every day and mm. I start my day that way with journaling three gratitudes. And the one that continues for like the last few days, I'm writing on a high. I am, I am really thankful and grateful for my future husband, David. Um, right. We're not engaged yet, but yesterday we, we bought a house together. And, um, and then we went to the jewelry store and bought a ring. I don't right. have it. I don't have it yet because we're doing everything out of order and, uh, something's gotta be a surprise. So the proposal has to be a surprise at this point, <laughs> but we, we don't want to move in to, we don't want to move in together without being married, but I'm, I'm really super grateful for the man that he is and how he leads um, our relationship. And um, I will say our family because I'm going to be, become a stepmom. Um, awesome. So, uh, but again, I should have put the, the, the horse before the cart, but we kind of already have done that because we just put money down on the house, but I'm, I'm super grateful to have someone so incredible in my life because it makes everything else I do so easy um, and gives me a life of abundance because of the kind of man he is. Mm, that's wonderful. Uh, this, it's heartwarming, actually. Thank you. <laughs> and congratulations Thank you. Um, to that. And uh, I, I hope I get to hear about the engagement uh, once that takes place. Yeah, so. it was, when it happens, I will be <laughs> I will be broadcasting it everywhere. So uh, I got to have, he's got to give, he has to have one thing he can surprise me with. And that's, that's going to be it. Yeah. Well, uh, on that note, do you feel that he can get something over on you? Do you think he can keep something a secret? You know, that's a funny question because um, he pretends that he can't do it. 
uh, pretends sometimes to be more gullible than he actually is, but I, I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty excited to see what he comes up with. Oh, well, it's so good to have you on the podcast today. Gina Chermarco, sales trainer, coach, keynote speaker, <laughs> podcast host, host and powerful woman, right? <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. So, uh, so good to have you on the show. And, and can you tell everybody besides what I just did a little snapshot of who you are? My gosh, how long do we have? Do we have hours? Uh, no, it was <laughs> snapshot. I mean, I think you just gave all the uh, descriptors of the things I do, right? Um, which is interesting because especially in America, we kind of class ourselves that way about the things that we do. Uh, but if, if I were to describe me, I would say um, I'm a girl who grew up in Chicago with with a immigrant mother from Germany and an Italian American father who grew up uh, in Chicago in the mob years of prohibition and things like that because he's much older than my mother. And um, just to, like, I, I often refer to myself as Gina from the block. I'm a city girl who uh, was raised to be gritty and kind of a scrapper and an entrepreneur. And um, I live my life. I've always lived my life that way in that style. Uh, but as far as like who I am, I'm a I'm a, a salesperson and a sales trainer that um, if you would have told me that 20 years ago, I would say there's no way I would ever be doing that. Uh, but then I finally just accepted the fact that it comes easy and naturally to me. Um, and so I love being able to help other people get comfortable with asking for what they want. That's good. That's good. So ladies and gentlemen, just to bring the tie together with with uh, Gina and I is is uh, I've been reading a book by Jeb Blunt called Fanatical Prospecting, and uh, and it, it, I it led me to Jeb Blunt, Blunt's website, uh, Sales Gravy, and um, and I was able to find out that there was a boot camp on fanatical prospecting, and Gina was the host to that. And uh, and she did a terrific job at uh, leading us through that. And so if you're interested in sales, uh, she's definitely the one to uh, tap into, to listen to uh, and be taught by uh, Gina and uh, to share with you the fanatical prospecting boot camp uh, through salesgravy.com, right? Yeah, and uh, or salesgravy.university. And we do offer yeah. a variety of courses. So I teach that course, Fanatical Prospecting, based on Jeb's book. Um, I also teach a variety of other courses based on his book. And also I've developed, uh, designed and developed courses that are based on improv and how to be more agile as a salesperson. So I've got a bunch of courses that I teach. Wonderful. Good stuff. And and you've got your hands on a lot of pots though, too, right? A lot of things you have going on and, and uh, you have a podcast of your own, I'm understanding, right? Yeah. I actually have two podcasts of my own one, which is um, trying to get it relaunched because it was, it's a podcast Jeb wanted me to relaunch the podcast. I started um, in 2016 called the pivotal leader. So that's coming back under the sales hmm. gravy umbrella. I parked that one uh, temporarily when I was launching the women, your mother warned you about podcast. So um, that one is pretty active. Uh, we have episodes that come out every week. So we are in our third season with that show. Wonderful. What can people expect to find on on that particular podcast? <laughs> well, it's it's um it's a podcast that um 
is about sales and business. Um, myself and and my my original co-host, we started the show on the premise of we are women who do things the way we want to do them, which is sometimes looked down upon. And I, I spent enough time in my career, you know, giving into what everybody wanted me to be or think I should be or thought or I thought I should be. And really, um, one day when we came up the title, it's like, yeah, we're those women that everybody talks about. Yeah, we're those women um, who shake things up in the office. We're the we're those women your mother warned you about. And so <laughs> we are women trying to balance life and work and do all the things. Uh, my original co-host has since gone. And I have a new woman your mother warned you about as a co-host, uh, Susanna Gray Jones, and she's based in the UK. So it's a, com it's a, it's a little bit different, but it's, it's still funny and real and raw and relevant um, with really good content and great guests. And just, we get we get a little wacky. She, half the time, I don't understand what she's talking about with uh, <laughs> English. We both speak English, but her English is different. And I have to constantly ask her, I'm like, what's the word of the week? And so she teaches me a new English word. But a lot um, of great, a lot of great sales yeah. and business tips. Oh, great, great, great. Good to know. Uh, so who is or who was Gina BSG before <laughs> Sales Gravy? <laughs> Gina BSG. Oh my goodness. Um, Gina BSG was very much the same. Gina, um, Gina AG, um, <laughs> Gina AG. gag. <laughs> hey, right. Yeah. Um, I, I owned a sales training company prior to joining sales gravy and an improv comedy theater. So wow. I was doing a lot of what I do now, uh, just in a different way as the business owner of it. And I had, um, originally started that company as a leadership training company, and then it, it, it evolved into sales training. And we always use improv as a, as a foundation and a training tool in leadership and improv. So that was Gina prior to, to sales gravy. Uh, so that's where, you know, I became a trainer and a speaker. Um, that's where my first podcast got launched. Um, and then prior to that, my career path started out in Chicago in television production, um, <clears throat> a lot of producing. I owned a, a production company for, for several years in my early 20s, believe it or not. And then I went through um, my career path, went through um, as entertainment, uh, as an entertainment marketing director for live shows in the Chicago area. And then I ended up in the IMAX world and got into operations. And that led me to South Carolina where I took over in IMAX and then ended up starting my own business. So that's kind of, kind of my path studied at second city while I was in college. So that's where I got my improv background. And prior to that, my, my dad had me hustling, um, in flea markets on the weekends as a kid. That's where, that's Great. where I really learned sales. Yeah. <laughs> the school of hard knocks, they call it, yep. right? <laughs> very much, very much. <laughs> school in the streets. So do, do you love doing what you currently do? Oh my gosh. I have like the best job in the world. Like, 
you know, you know, people who talk about like, you know, they wake up and they dread going to work. I can't wait to go to work. Um, I love what I do. It's always different. It's never the same. I'm, I'm always learning, which I think is really important while I'm teaching others, they're teaching me. And that is also hmm. a mindset, but um, I love the the transformation. I love helping people move forward and have a better life. Um, right before we started recording, I I um I get a little ADD, but uh, one of my coaching clients just messaged me, and I only had read half of it. Um, but he just just given me telling me how he just landed an appointment based on things I've taught him, and you know that's that's what you know we want to do is like we want to mm -hmm. provide values human beings to others mm, that's good yeah but i have the so, coolest i have the coolest job i work from home i don't have to commute too much unless i'm on the road for a client um i make really good money um and and i change people so what else could you ask for that's wonderful and and again this is your your studio at home right now yeah that we see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. yep. that's a beautiful, beautiful place. And uh, uh, it, it's wonderful to be able to work from home uh, if you like that sort of thing, obviously. Yeah. But um, but the convenience of that and then to have all the the technology to yeah. do so. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's like difference. being in a little TV studio here. So do you do you do your podcast from this location as well? I do. Or? I do. Yeah. So um, so you see, I'm on my podcast microphone. Um, when I'm training, I switch out uh, my audio, but I've, this is my, this is where I do everything. I do, I have an office too, uh, where I do my work or a lot of my sales calls. I do my sales presentations from here. Um, and then in the new house, um, my studio and office are combined. It's a really huge room. So I'm super excited about that. Great. Um maybe you'll send us some pictures <laughs> i will i will i'm so i'm like so psyched about it that's wonderful so i got a couple of questions for you one is do you have a leadership tip or perhaps a a coaching tip uh for the masses to hear from mm. you right now uh, you know I, I would say that my best leadership tip is you know it's it's cliche but it's it's lead by example and hmm. and bring people into the fold i was just having this conversation with someone earlier today when when employees um don't understand the inner workings of a business or they make assumptions about a business um, especially the financials around a business they don't understand it. And so they make up their own stories in their heads. And, and I learned this early on as a leader. Um, the best way for me to get buy-in from my people was to bring them in, right? So they're not going to buy in if you don't bring them in. And what I hmm. would often do is um, for our monthly P&L calls, I worked for a publicly traded company for a while, and this is where I learned it. I would bring in my next line of, of managers and supervisors below me that really ran the business. And, and I would bring them into the PL calls because I wanted them to understand the financials behind what we were doing so that when I made decisions that didn't make sense to them, there would be some context to it. So we have to be constantly in the mindset of, did we give them the tools that they need to do their job? 
and to understand the purpose. And if you have someone that does something that you're unhappy about, you don't like, and you're like, I can't believe that person did that. Ask yourself if it's your fault. Hmm. Right. And, and I will say eight out of 10 times, it was my fault, even though I knew what to do, I would forget to do it. I would be too rushed to do it. So just make the assumption that they don't have enough information or that they're ignorant about it. Um, and, and they have, someone needs to educate them. That's on you as a leader. Mm, that's good. That's good. I was just sharing with a friend of mine. Uh, there's a story of this uh, little boy named Johnny and he's playing out in the street and mom says, Johnny, get out of the street. So Johnny runs into the house and the next day Johnny's playing in the street again. Mom says, Johnny, get out of the street. And Johnny runs back into the house. The next day Johnny's playing in the street and mommy says, Johnny, get out of the street. And Johnny says to mommy, mommy, what's the street? Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think it's along your That's point it. there. <laughs> that's it. That's it. And I, when I see leaders get worked up about something someone did, oh, this is a good one. This just, this just triggered me. Um, I am an official, like a speaker for Vistage Worldwide, although I just have not had time to be a speaker for them, especially like with COVID, all the speaking stopped. But prior to COVID, um, one talk that I would give a lot to CEOs um, was based on um, emotional intelligence. Um, I, I called it uh, managing the F word feelings, right? Nice. And I got I got booked to do that a lot. So I would talk about the, the importance of emotional intelligence, being aware of your own triggers, your own emotions, because you cannot possibly um, manage, first you gotta understand yours to manage yours. Then when you can have self-empathy, then you can have empathy for others so that you can help. Cause I don't believe you can manage anybody's emotions, but you can help lead them. And I had a CEO say to me, I, I, I just can't have empathy for them. <clears throat> and I was like, I had to bite my tongue and I'm like, okay, well, tell me more about that. Well, why, why do you struggle with that? Well, if I have to keep, they, they keep, I tell them something like, you know, he, they keep doing it wrong or when they keep doing it wrong, I'm just, I'm over it. I'm like, but that's on you. <laughs> that's on you. So either you haven't educated them or equipped them or you hired wrong. Mm -hmm. It's one of the two at the end of the day, it's still on you, which brings me, which reminds me of Simon Sinek's uh, leaders eat last because he talks yeah. about that of, mm -hmm. you know, if you were to adopt a child because you decided you and your spouse decided you wanted to adopt this child. Um, and then you bring that child into your home with your other children. And then that child's not working out. What do you do? You're, you're going to kick them out, put them on the curb. <laughs> <laughs> it's now your responsibility because you brought yeah. that child in and it's yeah. the same thing when you bring people into your organization. That's good stuff. Um, yeah. So um, on the sales tip, since you're here and that's what you do, um, can you give us a sales tip? 
on the sales tip. <laughs> For well, those who I are mean, listening. that's a that's a big, big question. Um, do you have anything specific that you think your listeners would be really interested in? Well, I think for for someone who is, uh, you know, needs to step out of their comfort zone and make a sale. So that person, what would you say? Um, Well, first of all, if you're that uncomfortable with selling, you probably need another job. (laughs) That would be tip number one, right? Um, We're salespeople and we're paid um, to interrupt people. And Mm -hmm. um, we make our money by asking people to buy things. Uh, With all that being said, I do, my philosophy on selling is I'm not a I'm not a salesperson. I'm a problem solver. So Mm. again, it comes down to mindset. So if you switch your mindset to, I'm here to solve a problem, I'm not here to sell to you. And you approach it that way. And you are persistent, right? You can't just be like, I'm here to solve a problem. Oh, you don't want me to fix it. Okay. Bye. Right. Um, You're going to get nowhere. So you have to be a persistent problem solver. And that, that turns into sales. So um, what's so wrong with being uncomfortable? I, I, I teach this, I've been teaching this for decades in improv. Um, you have to embrace the discomfort. There's nothing wrong with being uncomfortable because you learn from being uncomfortable. You learn from being imperfect. And here's the other thing. People don't like perfect people. <clears throat> so when you feel like people are looking at you and you're afraid to make a mistake and you're afraid to get in front of people and you're afraid to say the wrong thing. Guess what? Nobody cares. Nobody's paying attention because everybody's worried about themselves. Mm. Right. So when you're like, how do I look? I don't know. I'm looking at myself right now. (laughs) And so when you think about it like that, um, it kind of just takes it away. Like, um, I've been watching, um, I find different little things to binge on so that I can, you know, have a moment to decompress from work. And I'm watching um, Being the Ricardos about Lucy and Desi right now. And, you know, you look at Lucille Ball, which sometimes I refer to myself as that, um, her character, at least, of, you know, bumbling and goofy and making mistakes and misunderstanding. Uh, people kind of appreciate that, right? Like, why did they laugh at her so much? Why was her show so successful? Because when you make mistakes and you're imperfect and you're uncomfortable, your audience relates to you. And when your audience relates to you, your audience likes you. You don't Mm -hmm. have to work very hard. So that's a whole lot of rambling about what to do um, when you're getting out of this this discomfort. I will say um, another sales tip, because I do so much coaching, um, something that comes up a lot, which seems pretty basic to me, but obviously it comes up a lot. I see salespeople struggle when I'm teaching them, like, let's say telephone prospecting framework or an email prospecting framework. Here's where I see the struggle. They're having a struggle writing uh, those frameworks so they can get on the phone and say, hey, Tom, it's Gina from Sales Gravy. The reason why I'm calling today is to set up an appointment because you recently filled out a form about coaching and you want more information. I want to learn more about you. How's Friday at two o'clock, right? And people struggle with, with, with different, with that kind of framework because number one, they don't know who they're targeting. 
They actually don't have a list together to actually pick up the phone and call, right? This is why, <clears throat> this is why cold calling is hard because you're not prepared. So put the list together, know who you're targeting. Is that actually the right audience you should be targeting? Don't spray and pray. Don't have this gigantic list and think, well, maybe somebody will show up. Stop being that person on, on, on LinkedIn, by the way, who sends me all these messages about what I need to buy from you after I said yes to connecting with you. And then you vomit your services on me. Stop doing that. <laughs> it's not effective period in the story. Maybe it is. I ask a lot of them what their conversion rate is, and then they ignore me. So, um, know who you're targeting and then know what pains them. And I, I don't want to even use the word pain, but what's important to them? What, what, what do they need solved personally and professionally? Because people buy for their reasons. They buy based on emotions and sometimes they buy for their own selfish reasons at work because they're trying to make their job better. They're trying to look better. They're trying to, um, generate more revenue for the company so that they can get a promotion. So a lot of their reasons are their reasons, know what the yeah. reasons are. And then you can connect the dots and figure out, okay, this is what's important to them. These are things that we offer that will help them get what they need and they want. You cannot message properly or prospect or target properly without knowing a, who's your most ideal customer B yeah. what's their biggest problem and C how do you help them? And then, and then e even though you got all that, sometimes what you have does not directly connect with what they need. So be willing to think yeah. outside of the box, right. And be able to color outside of lines and say, okay, um, maybe if we twist our service like this or change the product mix like that, that is going to be what solves their problem. So mm -hmm. get off your, um, get off your script basically. Yeah. How do you like that long winded sales tip? That was great. I think that will add a lot of value to those who are in the sales department. And, uh, you know, from what I've learned, uh, over the past couple of years that I, I'm a marketer that coaches. I'm a marketer that does leadership development. I'm a marketer that teaches. I'm a marketer, right? Everything stems from that and knowing how to market uh, via cold calling or email or LinkedIn or whatever the case may be. Uh, it, it all stems from that perspective. And, and uh, we don't like to be marketers per se. We don't like to toot our own horn, at least I don't think the majority of us won't like to yeah. toot our own horn because, um, you know, we want others to do that for us, you know, by uh, the work that we've done and then the, we get referrals and, but it's isn't when, that, uh, isn't yeah. that interesting? And uh, do you mind yeah. if I cut in on that? Uh, cut in, cut in. Cause I have ADD and I'll forget it. Um, what's interesting about that. I've never thought about that this until you brought it up. We're not comfortable marketing ourselves. Well, except for me, I'm always comfortable with that, but most people are not comfortable with marketing themselves, mm -hmm. right? I wonder why. Is it because they feel like marketing themselves makes them look like they're self-promoting, which makes people think they have too big of an ego. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just making a whole bunch of assumptions yeah. here. Yeah. So they're not gonna market themselves, but you said something interesting they're hoping 
others will market them. Mm-hmm. Okay. What's, which one of those is more egotistical? <laughs> That's a good point. Think about that. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping Tom, you're going to market me because I'm amazing. And then it doesn't look like I'm telling everybody I'm amazing because Tom told them. Mm. Which one of those is more egotistical? Uh, that just came to me. I've never, ever had that thought until just now. I'm sorry. Well, when, when you wrap it in that package with a tiny bow, uh, that, <laughs> that that really drives home the point uh, of that. And uh, and and honestly, the, the people that are singing praises about you are singing it from their perspective. And... Um, you know, and here's the deal too, you know, people can turn on, turn on you and, and be singing a different song uh, yeah. later on. You know, there was a similar story in the, in the Bible where Jesus rode into town on the donkey, Hosanna, Hosanna. Mm-hmm. And the next week he was say, they were saying, crucify him, crucify yeah. him. And, yeah, uh, good point. So, um, maybe it's not a great idea for people to be your, your PR, um, you know, for you to speak I, I, for yourself. I think you need, I think you need a balance of both. Yeah. You need a balance of both because, um, they actually go hand in hand. A lot of times when I'm coaching people, I have them do a very simple, common exercise. Many coaches do go out and ask your your friends, your family, your colleagues, right? Three of each, ask them um, to give you three words that come to mind when they think of you, right? And so, and then gather all those words together and find the common denominator. And that gives you perspective of how you are perceived, right? And and always hmm. what will come back for me is bold, confident, funny, right? Like words I expected, so I wasn't surprised by it, but some people get surprised by the words that they hear come back and they don't see themselves that way. I think mm-hmm. we have to be able to balance how we're perceived with how we perceive ourselves. If there's a disconnect, then we need to do something about it. Mm-hmm. If, if you're being perceived, um, I know early in my career when I was new in operations and in entertainment, um, someone said to me, um, Actually, it's my ex-husband, so it doesn't really count because he perceived me differently. But he would say, yeah, you're, you're not smiling. You're front like he visited me at work once. And I'm like, I got a lot on my mind and I'm watching my staff and I'm trying to learn this industry. And the point is, he perceived me as someone who was unapproachable, which is the furthest from the truth. Hmm. But it, it gave me a moment to check in with myself and say, well, do others see me that way? Because mm-hmm. I'm not unapproachable. So I probably need to work on um, smiling more and doing things, right? So so I think you need a combination of the two, right? Know, mm-hmm. know how people see you. If you don't like how they see you and that's not how you are, then you can tweak it, right? Don't Don't be oblivious to what your reality is. So blend the two. That's good. And and it also helps, you know, John Maxwell talks about uh, blind spots, right? Mm -hmm. And they're called blind spots because they're blind spots. Um, That's pretty deep, right? And, and, and so having this feedback from people who we are giving the, the permission to reflect what we're doing 
and it helps reveal those blind spots in our lives so that we can perhaps tweak it and become uh, better at what we do. Uh, because after all, at the end of the day, what we do is for other people anyway. It's not supposed right. to be for us. Right, right. And if you start getting a lot of common feedback um, from a lot of people, um, you have an opportunity to change it. So you have to be willing, again, that's getting uncomfortable. That's asking people to give you feedback, uh, which is ironic because of what we talked about earlier. We want people to give feedback and promote us through their feedback, but we don't want to promote ourselves. So watch what you wish for. <clears throat> because good. you're right. Like the story in the Bible, <laughs> they might come, they, they might come running out saying, kill her. <laughs> Not good. <laughs> Not good. <laughs> so uh, while we were talking off camera, uh, you shared a, a, a story that uh, that resonates with this one right now and that you got a comment from someone who said they wanted to be like you. And so mm -hmm. can you elaborate on that for a second for our listeners? Sure. Um, because I'm uh, a sales coach um, and I oversee, I'm the director of coaching for sales gravy coaching programs. You know, when I am for lack of interviewing or when I'm on a discovery call with a potential coaching client who has reached out to us, um, they might come through our website. Uh, they might message Jeb and say, I'm interested in your coaching program. And a lot of times people come directly to me because maybe they've heard my podcast um, or they've seen me in social media and, and they've said, Hey, I want to coach with you. And I ask the question, okay, well, tell me more about why? Why do you want to coach with me? Why Gina? And um, often I have heard because I want to be more like you. And this is, you know, that's great. That's a great compliment. Um, but I also like to have some humility um, and say, no, you don't want to be like me because who mm -hmm. you are is amazing. So mm -hmm. This is where people fall into imposter syndrome of comparing themselves to other people. You don't want to be like me. You want some characteristics that I have. What are they? Let's talk about that. Let's hone in on that. What is it yeah. about me that is attractive to you? Um, actually, my my boyfriend the other day said, because I'd like to get involved in the community and in my community and do things. And um, taking on another project and he's like yeah. oh you just couldn't wait to get back into that and I said it, it's it's theater related and I said well I really want to get into it because someone in the community needs to make some things happen and I feel like the community is asking me to do it which they are and he said and that's what attracts me to you mm -hmm. and I was like what he's like the fact that you want to be involved in the community and help people attracts me to you. Right. So what are those awesome. things? So for this woman, it was, she's like, I wish I could be confident like you. And I wish I could, I could be fearless like you. That's, that's what I want. Right. So, so then we were able to hone in on, okay, how do we get, okay, why aren't you confident and what are you scared of? And let's, let's look at that. Let's attack that situation to get you to that. But we want you to be the best you that you are. Hmm. That's good. And, and so on that note, um, I had to wait till now to find out, but 
Are you ever afraid when you're doing what you're doing? Of course, of course. Um, I get, you know, you had already alluded to this question and I didn't really have time to think about it. Um, so the answer actually just came to me. I do, because usually I don't, I'm usually I'm not afraid because I think, you know, when we look at fear and where fear comes from, because we're wired for it, um, you know, um, through our amygdala and the emotional part of our brain, we're, we're wired for fear. It's, it's how we survive. <laughs> I think because I practice doing things that scare me, um, doing things that are uncomfortable, that I probably am more fearless than the average person because mm. I'm not risk adverse. Um, I believe in trying things and making mistakes because what's the worst thing that can happen, right? So it's again, a mindset thing. I do get, I do get fearful. Like I have moments of fear, like anybody else, uh, the things that trigger my fear points are, um, you see behind me, there's a, on the screen, um, we just launched a new course called selling the price increase. And, um, mm -hmm. based on Jeb's newest book that he's almost done writing and it's all new material for me to learn and teach, which I'm teaching. And whenever I'm doing something that's brand new, I have a little bit of fear. Mm -hmm. Of a little bit of fear and it's the normal fear anybody has it, it's the fear of making a mistake it's the fear of not delivering what's expected it's the fear of my boss not being happy with me um it's the fear of a customer complaining it's the fear of losing my job it's right like when you start to get to the core of it right you have to drill it down this is what fear is about drill it down what are you really afraid of right fear is about survival in my opinion you're you're afraid of dying um either literally or figuratively so there are whenever i have to do something that's brand new out of my wheelhouse i have fear um the mm -hmm. only way through the fear is to just do it just do it just do it and 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 just do it right and so um you know this this module of uh the course i'm teaching this week i've done i've done it three times now so i'm like ah easy peasy right, right so on. the fear the fear is gone but going into the first one i was like sweating right so right that's what right. that's what scares me yeah for the for the past couple of years specifically, these, these two statements have been resonating in my heart. And that is one, do it afraid. And the other one is jump and build your wings on the way down. I say it all the time. Yeah. I say it all the time that I'm building the, the plane as I fly it. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that terrifies people. And speaking about the plane <laughs> and speak about jumping back in, uh, uh, was it 20, 20, I believe, um, I jumped out of an airplane. Uh, yeah, so I'm afraid of heights. <laughs> and, um, you know, there was this whole method to each and every step leading to that final jump. Yeah. And it was the first making the decision. And, and this is where people need to, to really get close to the speaker and listen to what I'm saying right now is, is I made the decision that I was going to go. Mm -hmm. Secondly, I went, then I signed my life away <laughs> saying that I wouldn't sue them if I die. Uh, 
uh, the fourth thing is I begin to prepare myself, uh, put on the harnesses and, and things of that nature. And at that point, uh, the the, uh, the guy that was going to jump with me, he said, are you ready for this? And I said, well, we'll, we'll see, right? Again, every step of the way is just another step closer to where I, I wanted to head. And then I got on the plane. At any moment, I could have bailed out, so to speak, <laughs> um, yeah. and, and forfeited the jump. But uh, it just came to that moment, and I leaped over the edge, and the rest is history. Um, and thankfully I survived. <laughs> I think you, I think you really, what you hit on a really important piece of this and it's the decision making mm -hmm. the decision. Um, I've, I had a coach in the past who said, um, and, and, it, and it wasn't her quote, she got it from someone else. Um, you know, indecision is a form of self-abuse. Mm. When we get stuck in not making a decision. And so, um, you have to make a decision and then you make the decision, right? Right. Mm -hmm. You, you live with the decision you made and then you keep moving forward because it starts with the decision. Once you make it, it's kind of hard to turn back. You're already on the plane. Where are you going? You're up mm -hmm. there with the parachute pack on. Yeah. You made the decision. You gotta, you have to kind of carry through now. Right. So yeah. I think that's a big piece of it. We see this a lot in sales when people are afraid to ask for the sale or ask for the money. I see this all the time as a seller when I'm selling coaching, because it's a very personal purchase. Most of our clients pay for it out of their pocket. And, you know, I always hear the, well, I got to think about it. Uh, and I always say, what do you need to think about? Like, let's, let's talk through your fear because you're not able to think because your emotions are in the way. That's why you need to think about it. Okay. Well, I just, if I spend that money, right. They're, they're stuck in that fear. I'm like, what's the worst thing that's going to happen to you? Mm -hmm. Are you going to end up on the street? Are you going to be homeless? I'm going to tell you what it was like the first time I paid a coach, I paid a coach. And then I was like, oh my God, I just spent this money. And then it forced me to hustle to go make mm -hmm. the money back. And what do you know? I did. I jumped out of the plane. Right. So yeah, you, you have to just tackle that fear head on if you're trying to get to the next step. That's the better life. That's good stuff. So that's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, there's a lot of folks that are listening that need to get off the ledge, right? That needs yeah. to jump out of the airplane or whatever metaphor yeah. you want to use. Yeah. Uh, we've got to do it. Or at the other phrase, eat the frog, yeah. right? Uh, we've got to do what we got to do. And by the way, a sidebar real quick, you know, all this stuff we're talking about, uh, websites and such, we are going to put in the description of this podcast and, and we'll have Gina even mention some of them as we wrap up in just a few minutes. But, um, you know, uh, let's talk just a few more moments about Gina. Um, when we were talking off camera, you kind of alluded to some, some things in your past that brought you to where you are today. And maybe you can share some of those things. Maybe we can touch on the heartstrings sure. of folks right now and just sure, talk about sure. you a little bit. Well, this, this came from, you had asked me before we started recording about what am I passionate about? And, you know, it's interesting because I had a hesitation in it because I'm like, 
just, you know, I should just speak for my gut. I mean, I teach people this and my gut was like, what am I passionate about? I am, I'm passionate about family and I'm passionate about living. And, and, and I actually felt myself self-judging myself in that moment of like, oh, I don't know if I should say that. Like, but that's what I'm passionate about. And, and I've always been passionate about that. Um, family has always been important to me. And my entire life, and I won't say how old I am, but I was, I'm older than a millennial. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I always, you know, my passion and my, my desire was always to be a mom and a wife, hmm. um, was always my passion to be part of a family. And it's funny because I had said to my dad, when I was like 17, a senior in high school, I said, um, you know, I wanted to go to college and I was looking at colleges. My dad was very old fashioned, old school and much older than my mother. And he said, um, why are you going to do that? You're just going to end up getting married and having kids, which is hmm. funny now that I, I hear myself tell the story. And I said, but what if I marry someone that turns out to be a loser and I got to take care of the kids and I don't know where all that was coming from, but I kind of do. And, and I said, I just want to make sure that I'm able to provide for that situation. And he said, you have a point. Okay. You can go to college, but you're on your own. We, we, we can't pay for it. You're, you know, my dad was much older at that time, retired when I was in high school, we were living on social security. Um, I got, even though I worked in the flea markets when I was like from 10 to 13, I got my first job at 13 in a, in a, um, bakery and, because I knew that if I wanted things or needed things, I didn't want to ask my parents for it because I know that they were, they were strapped for it. Um, and then I, my mom was an alcoholic, um, and I didn't know it, but she was so rough on me, um, and, and verbally and emotionally abusive. Um, and that really impacted me. And I think the fact that my dad was sick all through my high school years, I think that created the fear for me that, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to make sure that when I have a family, it's stable. Hmm. And I mean, I, my parents, I'm not, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I love my, I was a daddy's girl and my dad was amazing and he was my best friend and he died when I was 22, which I really still don't know if I recovered from, um, you know, you're talking about your daughter being 22. Gosh, I'm going to get yeah. emotional about that because yeah. I lost him when I was 22 and he was my best friend, but it was just kind of, it was rough. And, um, I, I didn't, I didn't walk into the life that I wanted to of, of getting married and having kids. And by the time I finally got married in my forties, it was too late to have kids. And I waited so long to marry the right guy and ended up marrying the wrong guy. And I thought for mm -hmm. sure I knew what I, you know, but I guess I didn't. And then it was really painful going through a divorce. Like you just, you never planned for that and you don't know how to do it. Um, people treat you differently. That was horrible. Um, but I think my, my faith, my faith in, in Christ and, and my walk with Christ has been very powerful to get me through bad things. So um, eventually I found you know, God led me to the most incredible person that I'm now in my fifties, starting what I wanted to do in my twenties of, of having this 
a family life that I can be passionate about. Um, and that's, that, that's that story, right? So I, I, those were the things I wanted that I aspired for, um, that I kept missing the path for some reason, but I think God had a different plan for me for the last mm -hmm. several decades to be doing different things. So um, the reward is now. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. And thank you for sharing that and being vulnerable with us today. Um, so real quick, how did you and David meet? <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> oh i it's it's i'm just gonna say it we met on tinder <laughs> nice <laughs> <laughs> well, it's usually you don't beat you know um yeah we met on uh don't judge me for tinder um I was being lazy because it's a real easy app to use, but it's a, it's also a really great marketing story because part of my, part of my process was I dated a lot because it was to me like sales, right? After my divorce, I'm like, I, I treated it like a sales project. You have to prospect and you have to figure out who your ideal audiences. And that's right. how I treated it. Right. People are like, just wait, the right person will come. No, that's like saying, just wait for the customer to call you. So I needed to prospect, but I also had to be really clear with my message. So I finally attracted the right person when I changed my message. And my message was have your, you know, what together. <laughs> that's how it started. And be comfortable with who you are as a man and confident with who you are and happy with who you are and be okay with a woman who is the same way. Mm. And he was the only one who responded to it. Oh, wow. So, so that's how we, that's how we met. Um, we went on our first date and, um, he took me to dinner. He took me on a proper date and he brought me homemade banana bread that he made because he wanted to show me that he could bake. Awesome. So, yeah. That's special. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that that's very cool. You know, I'm all about relationships as well, yeah. you know, and uh, been married uh, over 30 years to my wow. childhood sweetheart and uh, uh, totally head over heels in love with her. And uh, Gina is her name. I don't know if I said that, but Gina is her name. Oh my gosh, you way. told me that before. That's right. Yeah. Oh my God, that's so crazy. Yeah, spelled differently. Her name is J-E-A-N-A. -A. Oh, okay. And uh, you're G-I-N-A, right? Yeah, the right way, yeah. yeah. The right. <laughs> don't, don't tell her that. <laughs> I tell people it's Jean with an A. Yeah, okay, Gina. Perfect, yeah. Yeah, but uh, that, this has been fantastic to be with you here. Um, on this this podcast, and thank you so much for taking the time uh, to share with us. Um, so, uh, what roads lead to Gina? What websites you know, the, and, and contact best, information? The best way to get to Gina is ginatramarco.com. Uh, that is my website that, that, that then leads you everywhere else. It leads you to the podcast. It leads you to sales gravy. It leads you to all my social media. Um, Gina Tremarco.com is the fastest way you can Google me. I'm very Googleable, Um, and you will easily find me if you just type in my name on any social media platform, my first and last name, you'll, you'll find me.
Well, again, thank you so much, Gene. I really appreciate you taking the time to to be with me and and to be with the uh, listeners and and uh, and I think that you know some things that you shared will definitely resonate with with some that have been listening. Uh, I think we might have touched a, a few different audiences today. Good, good. Uh, so it. it's good stuff, and and I'm glad that uh, Jeb connected us right. Yeah. It's through the fanatical prospecting and and people buy you, uh, his mm-hmm. other book and uh, several others that were just uh, powerful and and his passion to help people, uh, you know, kind of get off the couch and and yeah. make an impact. He's um, he's, uh, he's amazing. He's amazing. When I uh, we put money down on our house yesterday, I um, and I'd also closed a really big deal yesterday in the middle of closing on a house, so that was pretty exciting and. I was just like, Hey, thanks. Uh, thank you for giving me the environment. So that would be another gratitude. I have, um, giving us the environment, to, to have a really good life. Um, it's cool when you have that kind of work environment. That's wonderful. Yeah. Well, yeah. And even thanks Jeb for us, uh, for availing us the opportunity to be with you as well. Yeah. And, uh, and, and tell David, to, to get off his seat and make uh, this proposal, right? Well, he did uh, just buy the ring yesterday. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he pulled a lot of triggers yesterday. Pulled yeah, a lot of yeah. triggers. So he is uh, he is fast and furious. And we did set a wedding date. So uh, we we've so, done everything. Yeah, everything's a little backwards, but uh, cart before the horse, right? We're both we're both planners, and we're both really really busy people. And I that's what I love about him is that um, he doesn't get annoyed by me wanting to have everything in order and, and he's the same way. So um, yeah, everything's in place other than the ring on my finger. And it, that's coming, right? It's coming very soon. Coming it soon to, to a finger near getting, you. Yeah, we're getting married in in, in late May. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, I don't even know if I should let that out. Well, I don't know. Whoever's listening, don't let, let we haven't told anybody yet. So you heard okay. it here. <laughs> Maybe that's the spin for the show, right? Yeah. <laughs> special announcement. Wow. Well, thank you uh, so much, Gina. I've felt very comfortable speaking with you and I'm sure that people listening uh, would feel the same way, uh, feel comfortable listening to you as well. And uh, thank you so much for your time, as I said, and I look forward to hearing more uh, about what's going on in your life and your your marriage and your new studio that's being built and, and, and all those things. And thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Yes, absolutely. And uh, with that, Uh, Thank you, everyone, for being a part of this podcast. And if you have any questions for me, you can email me at tom at realleadershipcompany.com. Look forward to hearing from you about that. And also want to know what your attitude of gratitude is. So please share that with me, too. As Gina said, she she, uh, writes down three things to be grateful for every day. Um, I have an alert on my phone that alerts me to find 10 things to be grateful for every day. If we have an attitude of gratitude, the whole life looks, uh, the whole day looks a lot better. So uh, amen to that. So thank you again, Gina. And thank you for watching and listening to Life, Love and Leadership.